the Kingdom Talks with Kings. We're going to cover the WWF Attitude Era, now known as the WWE Attitude Era. So first thing I want to do is what we're going to be talking about is going to be strictly, mostly 99.9% WWE Attitude Era because Nambo loved the era. I love the era. King Uno loved the era. Why not cover it, right? Hell yeah. So what, what is in the Attitude Era? The birth of Kane. You have the D-Generation X, the Montreal Screwjob, WrestleMania 13 so now, when, 14. When you say birth of Kane, you mean when he debuted in the Hell in a Cell with Undertaker and Shawn yes, Michaels? Yes, the birth. Okay, the, cool, cool. The cool. resurrection of Kane, so to speak, because he came from the fires. We're going to talk about Rocky Maivia to The Rock. We're going to cover... Hunter Hearst Helmsley becoming Triple H. The Outsiders <laughs> taking over NWO. We're going to talk about that next week. RIP to Scott Hall, who tragically passed away just a few days ago. And we're going to talk a lot about mostly WWE, but there is going to be some talks with WCW because without the whole WWE attitude era, WCW would have been taking over right now. Like, if you really look at it, like, WCW would be the number one wrestling show right now because they had it going. I still get an edge to WWF slash E only because of the names they had. Yeah, yes. WCW had names too, but they had the money. WWF had more. They had, they had more star power. Yeah, they had more star power, no doubt about it. But I mean, creatively though, Eric Bischoff really liked to use the cruiserweights and look at the cruiserweights where they became. Rey Mysterio, prime example, had a pretty good career in WCW and had a really good career in the WWE. So. Eric Bischoff had a great mind. Vince McMahon, I think, just had a stronger mind and had a very good idea of what to do. Not only Vince McMahon, but Pat Patterson, a huge, huge, you know, RIP to him. Very good booker in the era. But, first openly gay champion. Yes, first openly gay intercontinental champion. Another thing I would like, we're, we're going to be covering the three faces of Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, and of course, the legendary Dude Love. I mean, can't go wrong with Dude Love, right? Gotta love the love. And we're gonna cover a lot of rivalries. The first podcast that we're doing is gonna be the rivalry between Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But there was a lot of great rivalries that happened. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, a Montreal screw job. Prime example of great rivalry there. Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Kane versus The Undertaker. Some great rivalries that happened during the Attitude Era that really caused us to really, really, really get into the storylines and the great matches. I mean, some five-star quality matches during this time frame. We're also going to co- cover some tragic events that happened. Owen Hart's death being one of the main ones I can think of on top of my head. And very sad day. Very my heart. Yeah, very sad day in the wrestling industry. Maybe we will do that in May when it's more closer to his birthday and, ironically, the same day he died. Uh, they're like three days apart from each other. So maybe we could do that in May. But I was blessed to have so many rivalries to see as a kid. The Hulk Hogan's versus You're Ultimate Warrior. Because I'm old as fuck. Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Ric Flair versus Sting. Lex Luger versus Sting. Lex Luger versus Ric Flair. I've seen a lot of great rivalries in my day. But my personal favorite rivalry was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. I mean, because everybody wants to kick their boss's ass. And Stone Cold got to do it, so we got to That's live. That's true. Some people want to fuck their bosses. Well, but in yeah. his case, yes, he wants to whip his ass. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you want to whip one of your boss's ass, you know. <laughs> that being <laughs> said, I figured this was the perfect podcast to start off with. 
I mean, had I known Scott Hall was going to pass away, I would have probably wanted to go that route. But I'm actually okay with this because I still love the rivalry. My personal personal favorite rivalry of this era is this is this rivalry Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And like I said, as a kid, I had some great rivalries to watch. And then as I got older, I got to see more. And then even to today, there's still some great rivalries between Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. And I can name a whole million of rivalries that we've seen. My personal favorite rivalry from the Attitude Era, I would have to say, is two of them. Obviously, DX versus Vince McMahon and like the authority, like when they kept trying to tell me that you can't do this, you can't do that. Correct. And they did it here, which is funny. That and Rock versus Austin. Yeah. Like them two, those two single handedly, or DX, those two single handedly carried Raw. Yep. They put Raw on their back and they carried it. And it was Intercontinental Champion. It could have been. It could have been for the European Champion. Those two guys were putting on a five star match almost every night, selling out every show. And then when Rock got stunned, he's no, he sold it. Stunned like the Rock. Yeah, he just sells the shit out of that starter. I don't know how he do it, why he do it, but the shit is hilarious. I'm trying to think of anybody else, and off the top of my head, there, Scott Hall came to mind when he took one at, what was that, like, WrestleMania 19? I think it was WrestleMania. He, like, threw himself back. Yeah. <laughs> that one was pretty funny. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I think the best um, selling was The Rock. But, I like, mean, the, only The Rock can really sell the stone. Like, he got stunned. I remember one time he got stunned and just stood up, like, frozen. And then Austin looked, looked at him and was like, let me lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that whole little... <laughs> Little thing with his thumb, like he's about to take another picture or something. Like, hey, let me and then like, stun him hilarious. again. Yeah, and then The Rock, that whole flipping over and like getting caught up in the ropes and all that. That was pretty, pretty <laughs> epic. Speaking of sales, since we're on topic of sales, oh, Rick Flair. Oh got, yeah, when he was thrown into the turnbuckle, he'd walk out and then just fall. Yeah, like, I love that. Hilarious. That was that's such a classic, man. Rick Flair, John Michaels, like, you throw him yeah. into the turnbuckle, he flip up the turnbuckle and throw himself yeah. like, yo. He barely threw you, dog. Yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels. Like, there's a lot of great selling wrestlers, and especially in the Attitude Era, because like you said, Shawn Michaels was huge in the Attitude Era. He'd get hurt, but he was a part of it. Ric Flair, man. He, I don't know. Like a lot of people say, he's the greatest wrestler. There's a lot of people. Triple H has said he's the greatest wrestler he's ever seen, and I love watching his matches. He's had some classics, that's for sure. Now, I'm gonna ask you guys a question. And this is total hypothetical. Do you think the Attitude Era would have been successful without Vince McMahon becoming a character, without him becoming a heel character, you know, just staying in the announce booth or whatever, the announcing area? Had he just stayed there, do you think the Attitude Era would have been as successful as it was? I think it would have been successful about a 7 out of 10, but with him becoming more of an on-screen character, yeah, and get in the ring and you know put himself in danger and harm's way, correct. It really sold what they were trying to tell us, yeah. Because it's like he's this evil boss, and you're like, yo, I just want to kick his ass. Like, can I can I just whoop your ass? And Austin was that guy, yeah. So they he he was smart by taking the top guy, the one of the top guys on the roster, feuding with him, putting him in these feuds with Tyson, DS himself, correct. You know, all types of stuff. Yeah. But meanwhile, including himself. So I think it without Vince becoming on screen, you know, like wrestler, quote unquote, essentially, it would have been about a seven out of ten. But with him doing it, like coming on screen and everything, it, it took it to like a nine point five out of ten, ten out of ten. Yeah. In my book. Yeah, and you know, it changed the tides of the wrestling because at that point WCW was whipping WWE's ass, you know, it was ratings, you know, the whole eighty two weeks is 
and we'll, yep. we'll talk about that. That 82 weeks that WCW beat WWF back then's rating in the rating war, and all of a sudden Vince comes on and everything changes, and we'll, we'll get to all that later. But I mean, I in my personal opinion, okay, Vince McMahon on on commentary was just actually very solid. He was very good. I he did a really good job as, yeah. as a commentator. Like, he did and a great could, job. Yeah, you could tell he loved the business. He had a lot of heart, passion, the way he got into it. But then you take him out of there and you make him who he really was, which was the own, it would still is the owner of the WWE, and you put him in that persona, and all of a sudden you're starting to really see the real Vince McMahon that you know people saw backstage. The the personality really starts to show. His smile, his you know his attitude, everything. You start to really see him for more than just that guy behind, you know, calling matches like, you know, JR type role and whatnot. But my personal... I might get a lot of hate for this, but I'm going to say it. Vince McMahon, when he was commentating, commentating, I'm sorry, commentating and whatnot, reminds me of a Pat McAfee before Pat McAfee. Yeah. Like that energy, the NX resume that Vince Correct. McMahon on the table. Reminds me of Pat McAfee. Like Pat McAfee is hilarious on the on the announce table. Yeah. I love him as an announcer. And then when he uh got physical with Austin Theory, like he showed that aggression that Vince also showed Correct. when he stepped in the ring. Yep. So it's like Vince reminds me of Pat McAfee before Pat McAfee. Yeah, and you know, Vince really was around a time in which we didn't get to really see. He was around because his father owned the back then the WWWF and that, that was random. They had four W's like for what reason? Yeah, yeah. He he owned his father owned that. He was working for his father. He bought the company within his father, n- renamed it to the WWF and obviously now WWE. And he got to see everything growing up because his father was a promoter. That's what his yep. father was. And then his father ended up owning his own company started booking matches and well then he got his son involved. Vince was actually a referee at one point. He you know, and he's always been a pretty bulky guy. So to see him come on and you start to see like we'll talk about some of the matches that they had with Steve Austin and Vince. They had a a one on one match where Steve Austin had to have one hand tied behind his back. And you actually see Vince McMahon all bulky and looking like a, a real WWE wrestler. Like some of the especially back then because a lot of them were pretty juiced out, you know, no pun intended to the steroids, but I mean, you know, he was a pretty big guy and he's also pretty big stature because I looked him up. He's like six, three, he's actually a pretty tall guy. And I'm like, Oh wow. This guy actually is pretty well built. Even for his age. He's low key really in shape for real. Yeah. I feel like there's some steroids there. Not a lot. Yeah. But he's definitely in shape. Yeah. He still is in shape, but they were showing him pictures of, of him actually working out. I'm like, Holy crap. He actually still, 70 plus years old, and he's still working out. So this feud, the WWF back then, was starting to really get hot. They were slowly but surely getting hot. Stone Cold Steve Austin became Stone Cold Steve Austin. Obviously, he was a ringmaster prior. Uh, King of the Ring, 1997. He had yep. the most iconic phrase saying that you have your John 316. Well, Austin 316 just said, I would just whipped your ass. You know, one of the most iconic lines in WWE history. It's celebrated still to this day on 316. You'll see it on ESPN and so many mm-hmm. wrestling pages if you follow them. I think that King of the Ring in 97 is when Austin came to fruition. Yeah. That's when he came full circle. 
My that personal opinion, that's when the Attitude Era started. I feel like that's when the Attitude Era started. And a lot of a lot of different people had a lot of different opinions on it. Some people said it started before that. I feel like it really started. That's where the jumping point is, is when he came out with that line. Because nobody would ever say anything like that, especially to a religious quote. You know, like that's, you know, that's, that's a line that, especially nowadays, you won't see cross because they don't want to be getting in in trouble with some kind of religious some christians get all offended you know how people are you know and nowadays you might not see it as often but austin still he would still i think today he would actually still be the guy that people still cheer for even with those kind of lines saying things that he does you know being a redneck that he was a stubborn redneck that he was and you know things like that you know i I, they wouldn't transpire as well but i think he'd be okay because he's that one guy that everybody's cheering for but the whole feud really started, okay, back in 1997 at SummerSlam. Owen Hart and Steve Austin had a great epic one-on-one match where Owen Hart botched the Tombstone Pile Driver. The, there's multiple rumors. One was he was supposed to be dropped like how The Undertaker drops him, and Austin was getting himself positioned. Well, Owen Hart decided to do it like a regular pile driver, dropped him on his head, broke his neck. And thus, really, you saw a different side of Stone Cold because he was trying to get back in the ring. He wanted to wrestle, but obviously couldn't with a broken neck. So Vince was trying to help him, saying, hey, you know, Austin, I know you want to be out there. You can't, you know, so forth. And you really started to see Vince becoming not just Vince McMahon behind the booth, but the owner of the WWE, Vince McMahon. You started seeing him being the that guy. And the thing is, is Stone Cold Steve Austin was technically a heel. But he was yeah. getting getting mad love because people loved his personality. He was, I don't give a damn. I'm gonna beat your ass and I'm gonna you know go at it. And there's not very many wrestlers that could go against the grain like that nowadays. Roman Reigns was that way, and they've just made him a heel. I'm not looking at Roman Reigns on my TV right now. Oh shoot! I need his shirt because he said he's in God mode. His shirt oh. says greatness on a different level, and it says mode at the bottom. Yeah. That's in the beginning. It says God mode. I need that shirt. Yeah. But quick question. To our other co-host, our other host, I should say, not even co-host, our other host, Sir Nambino. We won't say it's we won't say it Nambo. We call him Nambino. What was it about the attitude era that made you a fan? Like what made you enjoy the attitude era? Because I know men, you talk a lot. You always say, fuck this new school shit, fuck this, fuck that. It ain't the attitude era. I don't want it. So what was it about the attitude era that makes you like, hey, this it don't get better than this, period. For me, it was all about the energy that they gave compared to what I've seen now. Like, I'm pretty sure it's energetic if I really watched it, but it's just the new, the new school for me now. It just wasn't what I'm, what I'm used, what I'm used to compared to back in the day. Yeah, he's used to the guy coming in smashing beers and. <laughs> yeah, because I liked, I liked how. Get like, the fuck up out of there. <laughs> eventually, yeah. how eventually McMahon just let everybody take their own, you know, take their own risks. It was like scripted but unscripted at the same time correct yeah it was like I, I i totally agree like sometimes i watch current you know wwe and like i just be like bro like you can do better yeah but at the same time sometimes they got that energy like that you're talking about and i'm like oh shit like this is some dope shit right now and you know sometimes they, they got their most where they go scripted unscripted yeah they got their most where they do that so it's like you it, it's easier not to tell where it's scripted at opposed to the attitude era where you was like yeah 
it's real or it's just scripted, yo. Like, yeah, hello. yeah. It's like you can tell now that it's scripted, like where the scripted is and where it's not. Yeah, <laughs> and after there, it was hard to tell. But I'm gonna ask you guys a question now. I was reading up on, you know, our next podcast, which is gonna be the the creation of the NWO, and I was reading up on what, okay, WWE's contract was. 250 dates for about 350,000 if you did the 250 dates which means that you show up for 250 events so you're basically on the road 325 days if not more you're on the road now WCW they had it was 180 was the maximum that you had and you were on the road about 210 days now think about this now WWE wrestlers they're on the road constantly do you think that that could actually be hurting them with their whole scripts and everything, because they they're out there all the time, not just in front of fans, because you know they got the they got the live events, you know, like the SmackDowns, the Raws, and then you know NXTs, and then of course the pay per view events. But then they also have house shows that we don't get to see unless you're actually at them. But you, right. they're still out there, you know, Roman Reigns, the Usos, they're still out there wrestling. We don't see that, and you know we've seen it where you know, for example, Seth Rollins, uh, he got hurt doing the turnbuckle powerbomb. At a house show, we didn't actually get to see the event yeah, where he, he tore his ACL he, trying to powerbomb somebody to the turnbuckle. I believe he was actually powerbombing Kane, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like it was somebody big. Yeah, I forgot is, who it was. I, I definitely remember that. It was like breaking news, Seth Rollins, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you think them being on the road so much hurts them? I mean, because back, back in the day, they were on the road a lot too. You know, I'm not saying I that say they weren't. I yes no. What I say, like, I feel like the main superstars should just, you know, do the pay-per-views, Raw, SmackDown, or whatever. Correct. And let the young talent or the lesser TV talented wrestlers do the house shows when not to get that exposure. Yeah. I feel like they should switch. Like, okay, but like, um, before before he got hurt, let's say, and kind of forced to retire, essentially, let's use Titus O'Neil. Okay. Put Titus O'Neil, since, since um, him and his tag team partner broke up, put him on a house show. Yeah. Let him develop some more. So let's see what he got on the house show where he's not televised, but people can still see him. And then eventually, you know, once they he upgraded up or whatever, changes persona or he he proves himself, yeah, then bring him to the main roster. So then that way it's kind of like everybody gets a rest, but everybody also gets I'll a give shot. A shot, yeah, I agree. I like that. <laughs> now, now here's the thing though, bringing that up, but what you just said. What about a guy like Montez Ford? Like, let's say we want to see what he's like in solos, you know, because he's a great tag team wrestler. I mean, that could also work for his benefit, too. Like, you know, say, hey, you know, why don't you guys, some of these big timers, you know, you can make your appearances. You can go out there, cut a promo, whatever. But let's let's see what Montez Ford can do against, let's say, Ricochet. Or, you know, I'm just throwing names out there that come to my head. Me, it's funny you say that because me and my brother go back for a lot of time. We both want to see the Street Profits break up to see how they're doing singles. Yeah. He says Montez Ford is world champion material. I say Dawkins. Is world champion material because in my opinion, Dawkins, which is the bigger of the two, yeah, he always, in my opinion, he does all the heavy work, all the dirty work, and then Montez come and hit his frog splash and get the victory. Yeah. I like the street props, I like them both. I like Dawkins, I like Montez Ford, but I do want to see them both in single competition. See like who succeeds. Montez Ford versus Ricochet, that match will bring the house down. Two oh yeah, athletic top flying motherfuckers, top rope maneuvers, counters, correct, will be great. I want to see Dawkins view with the lights of a Drew McIntyre, possibly a Roman, yeah. um, a Sheamus. Like, I'll, they both got potential 
to be single competitors. Yeah. And my brother, he's like, they should break up. They should break up. I'm like, no, man, keep them together. But I do want to low-key see them in singles competition because they both, I feel the need, they both got the potential to be successful in single careers. I would like to see uh, Booker King, uh, King Booker and uh, Keith Lee as a tag team myself, you know, brothers taking over, you know. You know, I, I would like to see that tag team. You know, I know that ain't a so, so, so what's that tag team? <laughs> brothers taking over, man. Brothers are taking <laughs> over. No, but in all seriousness, so like, I mean, I, I said Montez Ford, you know, just because it's somebody that came to mind. But, I mean, I agree with you with that. Like, you know, it would be nice to see some of these younger guys break up. And, you know, I think that these guys being on the road, I don't know if it helps or hurts. I was just kind of wanting to get you guys' intake. Well, I mentioned that Owen Hart spiking Austin, breaking his neck. And all that, you know, this was a big, big event because now they have to improvise. And not only did they improvise, but they did a very solid job of improvising because Austin was still going out there getting that, you know, getting his push, getting his money, getting his promos in. Yeah, he wasn't able to wrestle, but you know what? He was still out there. And him and Vince were going at it. You know, Vince was trying to be the good guy, the good boss that he, you know, was trying to portray. But you slowly started to see the wheels turning. Austin was getting irritated. Fans wanted Austin to just punch the crap out of Vince McMahon because everybody around that time frame hated their boss and wanted to be that guy. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Austin was not no longer getting booze at all. He was just straight as soon as the crowd, as soon as that, you know, the glass hit or glass shattered and that music hit, it was boom. Instant like Seattle type (laughs) status. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That right there. As soon as the glass broke and that music hit, the crowd was popping. Vince had no idea that it was going to be this big, but he knew he had to do something. Pat Patterson, this is what actually Bruce Pritchard said. Pat Patterson told him, saying, hey, you need to be a heel. And the Montreal Screwdrop is actually where things started really taking place. Now, Montreal Screwdrop, we're going to talk about that where in, in long form eventually, I'm sure. It was a great matchup between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You know, that's when that's well, when the infamous Bret yeah. Hart did his, 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 his gesture. Yeah, to the WCW, Bret Hart leaves. Now, Bret Hart was... But before he left, he punched Vince in the eye. Oh, yeah. He, not, yeah, we're not going to forget that. Yeah, he gave Vince a black eye. Vince goes on screen and says... Brett screwed Brett, you know, iconic, iconic interview there. Another iconic line. Another iconic line. And that's where you started to see Vince McMahon become the heel persona that he would become because everybody knew what happened. They knew it was all bullshit. They knew that Brett got screwed. You know, Brett didn't screw himself because, you know, it was plain as day. You saw it yourself. And Vince did what any heel would do. Like, oh, no, that wasn't me. You know, playing the victim there, you know, know, I loved it. That was great, iconic. And that's where you started to see the wheels turn because now all of a sudden the doors are open and you got all these young, hungry sharks in the, you know, in that tank. You got The Rock, you got Austin, you got Triple H, you got Shawn Michaels, you got all these people that are all hungry. The Undertaker, there were so many great names that were out there. Well, Austin was getting the loudest, loudest pop. So, obviously, they're going to go with a hot hand. And Austin, obviously, being hot, the Montreal Screwdrop really helped Austin's career grow. And and I know it's not a great thing what happened there, but it really changed the wrestling as we know it. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, Vince McMahon, he's, he's, uh, 
he's starting to really become that authority figure that we saw with the, like the Seth Rollins we've seen recently with the whole Seth Rollins and Triple H authority, you know, with Triple H being the authority figure. You started to really see Vince become that authority figure that they use so many times later down the road. And you really started to really want to – we all wanted to punch Vince at this point because we wanted to see Austin wrestle. And, you know, we didn't know, you know, Austin wasn't capable of wrestling. We just knew he had that broken neck, but he looked fine. And we wanted to see him go out there and kick some ass. And, you know, we mentioned the whole screw job with the whole Brett screw Brett. And everybody just wanted to hate on on Vince. Well – Vince did his job successfully. Oh yeah, majorly, majorly. But since we're talking about the um, the attitude era, low key, I want to ask you guys, starting with the beautiful beard, luscious beard, having that Bino, what is your favorite attitude era match? Oh shit! I got mine. I want to hear y'all first. Favorite match would have to be Hell in the Cell, Undertaker versus Mankind. Oh yeah, we're gonna that cover that one. We're gonna cover that. Of my shit back then because I just that that match was intense. Like, how do you get thrown twenty feet from the sky through a table on a stretcher? Get off the stretcher, go back to the top of the cage, get choked them through the cage. Like, bro, just stop. Yeah, it was over at that point. Hey, Karen. Like, I would have just, I would have just cried. Like, you know what, bro? The match is over. I quit. Like, fuck this. Yeah, I'm <laughs> out. Start Not your your favorite attitude era match. You know, it's it's weird because it's hard to say what my favorite match is because I honestly think that my favorite match actually happened on WCW. Like, this is weird because I remember. Really, what really got me into wrestling? This is so crazy, but it was Ultimo Dragon versus Rey Mysterio, and this is what got me into wrestling. Wrestling because these guys went out there. They started off. I don't remember what pay per view event was. I'll have to look into it. We're we're gonna cover it. I'm sure, but it was definitely during the Attitude Era because I remember Austin was really red hot, and my uncle he invited us over for a barbecue. We started watching it, and I really got into it. Like I was just like. Wow, these guys are just going at it. They're doing flips. They're doing crazy things over the top of the ropes. Like, things that you don't see in WWF as much, you know? Like, because they didn't have the the guys that, you know, WCW had. But Ultimo Dragon was just, like, crazy. He had that, uh, the, the what was it, the Dragon Deathlock or whatever he had. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I loved watching that. That was actually one of my favorite <laughs> matches of all time. It was Rey Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon for the the lightweight champion or cruiserweight champion, whatever they call it in WCW. But there was a lot of great ones. But if I had to pick a WWF one, I would think it would have to be, man, I, I got to go. Oh, man. Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but the Road Dog Jesse James, Badass Billy Gunn versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie in a tag team match. And I, I vaguely remember... I remember that match. It was just some crazy, like crazy things happened. I vaguely remember everything, but I rewatched it recently, and I was just like, "Man, this match was crazy." You, you would not see that in today's wrestling because Cactus Jack was just crazy by himself. You know, Mankind, Mick Foley, whatever. But Chainsaw Charlie too. Oof, there were some crazy guys. 
Now, what about you, King? Uno? It's not necessarily like attitude era ish, but it's one of the most iconic matches in WWF slash E history. The reason I say slash is because it was kind of at the transitioning from WWF to WWE. The legendary triple threat TLC match between Edge and Christian. Oh, yeah. The Dudleys and the Hardys. Oh, yeah. We're going to cover that one. my favorite match of all time. Oh, that's classic. Like, you I don't think wrong. I would ever have a greater favorite match than that match. Yeah, five-star match. match. Is just something crazy. Yeah, we're going to cover that match alone. Uh, that's for sure. Now, Stone Cold Steve Austin would stun Vince McMahon. He was pretty much done a Sergeant Slaughter, was a Commissioner Slaughter back then. Pat yeah. Patterson, before he became a Stooge, was starting to become the Stooge with uh, Gerald Briscoe. Now, one of the lines that I, I, re- I vaguely remember was Vince saying some of the lines, I know you're upset, but you can't be competing at the moment. But you can't also take this out on an authority. Like, you know, he was getting upset with Austin, and then Austin would actually stun Vince McMahon, thus getting suspended, and then Austin would shoot promos from home. And, you know, it was just so much crazy things was going on. And then the Montreal Screwdrop, as I mentioned, would come up, and then that's when it really hit. Now, 1998 starting to come around, the Royal Rumble in January. Vince McMahon really had no other option but to put Stone Cold to win it like you just there was just no way around it there was no way around it because stone cold had the hot hand you had to go with him he's in the match he's healthy enough to wrestle now something happened at the royal rumble that was very iconic that kind of got overlooked but a lot of people didn't really know Shawn michaels would actually get hurt in that royal rumble and he would actually hurt his back it would actually lead him to retire in a few months but he hurt his back in a casket match against the undertaker it was a very good match, too. That was an excellent match. I think Dave Meltzer gave it like a 3.8 or something like that out of five stars, which is really high for him because he's got like the hardest. Dave Meltzer is a dick sometimes. Yeah, he is. I think especially with wrestlers that wouldn't talk to him after matches. Like, I'm sure Shawn Michaels wouldn't. But I mentioned that whole Shawn Michaels getting hurt because Austin and Michaels would start feuding. And they would have this epic match at WrestleMania. But Michaels would not wrestle until WrestleMania. You'll see him in there a lot. You'll see him in the ring. Vince started really coming around because now he's trying to promote something big happened at that Royal Rumble. Mike Tyson was in the audience. Now, Mike Tyson was a huge help to the, to the WrestleMania matches. We all know if you guys are listening, you probably know what happened in that match with Shawn Michaels versus Austin. Mike Tyson played a very pivotal role in that match. Becoming the Mike Tyson was uncomfortable in that, in that yeah. segment. He looked uncomfortable as hell. <laughs> he, he did, but he actually did bring in some viewers because now you're bringing in yeah. the boxing world. You know, Don King was, you know, said, said in, a, in an interview that not only are you bringing Mike Tyson and you're bringing in somebody that can bring in the boxing fans. Now all of a sudden boxing fans become, become wrestling fans. And, you know, you've seen it. Mike Tyson was shown in a box office seat there, whatever you call it, the skybox seats or whatever they call them, uh-huh. with Shane McMahon. They were celebrating Austin winning. So they brought in Mike Tyson. Originally, Mike Tyson was only supposed to be there for three dates. One was Royal Rumble, the specific Monday Night Raw, and then the WrestleMania. But then something epic happened. Okay, you, you, we, we got to really watch this. 
Matt, we got to really cover this one day with Mike Tyson. We're going to have to really get into it. But Mike Tyson gets in the ring. Vince McMahon calls him out. And then he was just about to make an announcement. He said, he said, oh, you know, something aligns of this year at WrestleMania, Mike Tyson will be. And then all of a sudden, Austin's music hits. He comes out. And Mike Mike Tyson, a huge Austin fan, you know, is trying to shake his hand and all that. Be right back. Got to make a run real quick in one second. Oh, you're good. You're good. I will I will pause it real quick. All right. We're back. Now, Austin would come out, cut one of the most amazing promos around that time, one of the, one of the best ones. He goes, I respect what you have done in the boxing world, but when you step into this ring, you're messing with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's something you don't do. What I'm telling you is that I want a piece of Mike Tyson's ass. I can beat you any day of the week, twice on Sunday. He would also say to Vince, don't say a word, Vince. I'll knock, I'll knock your lights out too. Now, if you really watch this, now you got to really watch. They start they start getting each other's faces. And, you know, Austin said some of the lines of, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you know, I always got a little bit of sign language for you too. And then flips him a double bird, just like King Uno just did. You guys won't be able to see it, but well worth watching. <laughs> but he puts on the double bird and thus starting a whole shoving match. Well, Mike Tyson had a bunch of money in his pocket and Austin didn't know it. Well, the money started flying. So you see a bunch of guys on the ground grabbing the money and they're trying to pull off, you know, they're trying to keep face by, you know, grabbing Mike Tyson, but they're trying to pick up the money all at the same time because they didn't want people seeing it because Mike Tyson, I guess, allegedly Bruce Pritchard said he carried like a hundred thousand dollars in cash on him at all times back in the day. Something like Floyd Mayweather, you know, type thing. But I about to say it's a Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. But Austin comes out the ring, Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson are holding him back and Vince is almost literally fuming, you know, like you can see foam coming out of his mouth as King Leno showing a beautiful, beautiful greenery on our screen. Beautiful green grass over here. But Looks a little brown to me, eh? <laughs> Looks a little brown <laughs> to me, eh? But me, eh? <laughs> you can see Vince basically foaming at the mouth. He's saying, you ruined it, you ruined it, you know, going off. And this is where Vince becomes that heel character. They go go to the back, and Vince is there with, with Tyson trying to apologize and whatnot. But then it really starts getting hot because something magic happened there. And we mentioned the whole 83 weeks of, of WCW beating WWF. And this is where the tides change because this specific Monday Night Raw is where WWE Raw rating actually beat WCW and thus stopping the whole 83 weeks. So this was a huge, huge episode for WWE, you know, and it would change the tides forever. Now, Bruce Pritchard has told multiple stories. One of the stories he said was Vince had had a, had a talk with Tyson after this spe- specific Monday Night Raw, and he said Vince had a talk with Tyson and asked him if he would. He said, and I quote, "Because quite frankly, man, we need you. We need you for the story." Tyson agreed to him. Said, "I loved what I what had happened. I am sorry for my guys not keeping face." Let's have some fun and make history. And like I said, it, they did make some history. The following following weeks, you would see a lot of Mike Tyson and Austin, and you really started to see Vince McMahon become something special because he would come 
he would go to Cleveland, ironically close to where King Leno is. He crowd booing him, and he said, would you give a warm Cleveland welcome to the special enforcer of the WWF championship match wrestle, at WrestleMania and, question, and unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, Iron Mike Tyson. The crowd just started booing because, you know, Austin's hot. They're, they're going for their man, Austin, and, you know, mm-hmm. whatnot. And Jerry the King Lawler says an iconic line, and not a lot of people would, would get it, but he says, the crowd is booing, and Jerry Lawler says, and I quote, this isn't Art Medell, who at the time was the owner of the Cleveland Browns. You know, a little little funny. I thought I was I was dying laughing when I heard that. A little backstory there. Yeah. And then this is where things really changed. Okay, Vince McMahon, he's, you know, he's out there, and he's, he's just about to say something to Mike Tyson. He said, with you being the special enforcer, to the WWF Championship match. Who do you think will win the match? And then all of a sudden you hear, break it down, the DX music. Shawn Michaels comes out with Triple H. They hit the ring. They get right in Mike Tyson's face. And Mike Tyson comes out, or Mike Tyson gets right up in his face back. And you can see them saying something to each other, but you can't see what's being said. And Shawn says, and I quote, I'm calling you out, boy. And Mike Tyson said some of the lines of, Let's handle this. My guys will leave the ring. Your guys leave the rings. We'll go one-on-one right here, right now. Now, Shawn Michaels is hurt, so he can't really wrestle. So what they do is they start circling around the ring. Shawn Michaels takes off his cowboy hat, puts his watch in his pocket like they're really going to go at it, and then grabs Mike Tyson's shirt that said WWF at the time, rips it, and showing the DX, D-Generation X shirt. Thus showing that Mike Tyson is Team DX, so we would think. That shit was funny. Mike Tyson was like, he looked so weird. Yeah, <laughs> and then him doing the whole X thing. Like, it looked like he was uncomfortable doing it, you know. And, and He looked was, like somebody's grandfather trying to be young again. Yeah. With a young kid <laughs> he looked like that old uncle it. that, like, tries to fit in with the kids. You know, that old uncle that's over there, like, trying to hang out with their little nephews and whatnot. We that mentioned, everybody. I mentioned Shawn Michaels is hurt. There was a few matches that they they would have with Austin in it one of which actually was a pretty good match that they had at a it was in your house no way out of Texas the right before the pay-per-view event started you would get an announcement that Shawn Michaels was unable to right before not the pay-per-view right before the match started they made an announcement Shawn Michaels was unable to compete but it was Owen Hart Chainsaw Charlie Cactus Jack and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the New Age Outlaws who weren't DX yet Triple H and Savio Vega, who's a great talent, but obviously when you're expecting Shawn Michaels and you get Savio Vega, uh, <laughs> yeah, no offense to Savio, he was great, he was great. I'm not hating on no, him. Fuck that. I paid for Shawn, goddammit, I want yeah, Shawn. No, I, 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 I paid for a pay per view event, and you're not giving me pay per view material. I paid for pay per view, you know? and you giving me uh, pre card shit. Yeah, and it's funny because I was looking up Savio Vegas. He actually had some great matches. And Stone Cold Steve Austin would actually say in an interview, he said that a match against Savio Vega was actually like a night off, meaning that Savio Vega was going to take all the bumps and everything for you. And he was actually very good in the ring. And then, you know, I I just was kind of intrigued by Savio because I remember him very well, but I just don't remember him well enough. Like, I was like, he was kind of like an intercontinental championship type material but I don't even remember him ever winning a belt, to be honest. I'm not saying he didn't, but he's actually he was actually recently in the WWE because one of his best friends is The Undertaker when they did the whole 30 years 
of the Undertaker at Survivor Series a few years back, he was actually featured in there. So I, I, I didn't recognize him. Honestly, I didn't even realize that was him until they, I looked him up and everything. JR would, would report right before the match, he says, Sean injured his back while training at home and it is now in San Antonio resting, which we all knew was not true. The storyline was just made up because they were trying to make it, you know, cover it up a little bit. They didn't want to announce that he got hurt at Royal Rumble. Yep. Now, this match that I just I, mentioned was... I can cut you off, Starcane. But speaking of um, Royal Rumbles, a lot of people don't know that at this last, no, this year's Wrestle, I mean, Royal Rumble that passed, Kofi was actually eliminated when he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. When he got pushed off the top rope, he, he was supposed, supposed to make that jump. But he wasn't ready for the push, and he actually was eliminated. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't know that he wasn't supposed to be eliminated right there. He's supposed to do his magical, you know, my feet touch the ground, get back in the Correct. ring type that he's been doing. But yeah. he actually was eliminated because he wasn't ready for the push, and the, it messed everything up. Yeah. No, that it's crazy you say that, you know. Um this match that I'm talking about was a non-sanctioned match. We, we're going to have to watch it. You guys will be blown away with how crazy it was. It was it was pretty badass. It lasted about 17 minutes, but the most greatest moment was as soon as Austin's music hit. It was such a loud eruption. Like I mean, I wish we could play it here on this on this podcast, but I don't I don't know how Spotify and all that was. Yeah, but the crowd's reaction was crazy loud. Like you. You couldn't hardly hear Jr. and he was basically yelling into his mic. Now it was kind of funny. There were some funny moments in the match. Austin smacked Billy Gunn in the head with a trash can. He also smacked Road Dog, and then he hit Triple H. And they said he flipped his lid. You know, Jr. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler would say that, and then he also would later on Austin would be outside in the outside the ring with a broom, beating the hell out of Triple H and. JR would say something, and then the King said, oh, it's a clean sweep. You know, all these little corny puns, you know, it was just rather funny. It was actually a pretty good match. Speaking of chair shots. Uh-oh, here we go. Question for you guys. Who do you guys think delivered the best chair shots? Me, personally, I say The Undertaker. When Undertaker swung that motherfucking chair, it just it was just something about the way he swung it and the contact and the sound and the impact he had. That he, he, in my opinion, he has the best chair shots. Jeff Hardy hitting Brock Lesnar. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, that, that was a pretty – I was that like, was, damn. That one like, – I mean, that, that one, one – To me, when I seen that chair shot, I'm like, yo, is that a little animosity right here? Like, is that some real-life hatred yeah, or that, something? Yeah, like, like, it looked like Hardy hated Lesnar. Like, it looked <laughs> like he hated him. I just – that one came right to mind as soon as we were talking about that. I mean, you know, Guerrero took some good chair shots. Eddie Guerrero, rest in peace to him. He was pretty good about taking them. I don't know. Triple H was pretty good about taking chair shots. I think, like I said, I think Undertaker delivers the best chair shot. Yeah, I mean, like, he, I, I mean, dude, he's what like six ten, whatever, six nine. I mean, and he's yeah. got all that power. He's a powerful guy. He was he's built like a freaking offensive lineman, muscle wise. So yeah, he he definitely would do the best chair shot. I, I, Nambo. Austin Fuck would hard. actually hit the stunner and and beat Road Dog in that match. Nambo, you got any chair shots you remember? I think Nambo walked away from us. He don't love us no more. Oh, man. Now, WrestleMania 14, we'll get right into it. You know, Austin rivalry starting to get hot. There's Nambo. What I miss? 
we asked what your favorite chair shot was. Who swung the uh, who best do you think chair? Who delivers the best chair shots? I said Undertaker. And who who who'd you say, Starking? I don't know. There were some good ones. I said Jeff Hardy because he he banged the hell out of out of Brock Lesnar. I, I was like, because well, the the best weapons came from him. It was Triple H for me. The sledgehammer, man. That that sledgehammer looked sledgehammer like sledgehammer. And when he used to pick up the chair and take it from people and smack them with it. <laughs> That was, that was it for me right there. <laughs> so Wrestle, WrestleMania 14 is a very iconic moment. We mentioned the whole, we're going to cover this one in long. It was a very good card. Um, some of the matches, I mean, you wouldn't think were that good, but they actually were very good matches. I watched it and just to kind of kill time and write. But I I really truly want to say that, you know, this, this is where the whole, this is where the main main storyline became affected because Austin becomes the champion. We all know beats Shawn Michaels, but there were some epic matches. I mentioned, I think this is why I knew about the new age outlaws versus uh, this is where I saw it. I knew I saw it and I couldn't remember, but it was actually at this WrestleMania chainsaw, chainsaw, Charlie cactus Jack versus new age outlaws, Ken Shamrock versus the rock, you know, the European champion uh, at the time was uh Triple H and he faced Owen Hart. It was a great match there. Mark Merrill versus uh, Mark Merrill and Sable versus Goldust and Luna Vachon, who Luna is, <laughs> Luna. No longer, Luna is no longer with us. She passed away some years back. But another match that happened: Kane versus The Undertaker. Really iconic matches here. And then of course the main pay per view event: the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin. And of course we all know who won. Mike Tyson comes in. Counts a fast one, two, three count after laying out Shawn Michaels. Yeah, after, you know, Shawn Michaels would get all up in his face and then laid him out, you know, and that was a pretty iconic moment. Vince then came out holding a new WWF champion the next night on Raw. And he said, I'm pleased to present to you the new WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, trying to be the, he wasn't trying to be a heel, but he was, you know, at the same time. Austin comes down, sees Vince holding a new belt, grabs the belt, throws the old one at Vince, hitting Vince in the shin, and you hear you quietly can kind of hear Vince go, "Ow, fuck!" <laughs> like his hell. It was rather I iconic. That. And then Vince tries to apologize to Austin because the truth is, I'm proud of you becoming the World Wrestling Federation champion. I'm proud of you representing my company together, and the, that's the key word together. And I want you to listen together with my vision and your charisma together with my mental prowess and your physical prowess together, Mr. Austin, you might become the greatest WWF champion of all time. Then Austin turns to turns and said, Vince, let's cut through the BS. I know for a fact you hate me, but that's okay because I hate you right back. What you got to understand is there ain't no, there ain't no going to be no us. There ain't going to be no we. You ain't going to mold me. You ain't going to break me. What you see is what you get. And if you don't like it, tough luck. Then Vince says some of the lines of, of, I don't hate you, Austin. You're a swell guy. Matter of fact, I love you. And Vince Austin, sounds like a typical boss that's about to lose an employee. Like, yeah. yeah. He's like, I know. You're a great worker. You come to work. You do your job. You, you stay extra overtime if we need you. Like, <laughs> And then Austin goes, what did you say, Vince? He goes, you're a swell guy. You're great. And then he goes, no, what did you say, Vince? Repeat it. He goes, all right, all right, all right. I said, I love you. And then Austin goes, I love you too. 
And then between back and forth, they go a little bit, you know, and he said, Austin, Austin would say something and Vince says, well, we could either do this the easy way or the hard way. That's going to be your decision. Austin then says something like, what's your deficient, what's your definition of the easy way and the hard way? And Vince said, the easy way is to adapt my way and you don't want to have to go through the hard way. I'm just telling you that right now. You're going to want to do it the easy way. Austin then says on the lines of, this is a very difficult decision. Can I have 10 seconds? And Vince kind of looked at him and was like, okay. Like, cause I think some of it wasn't scripted because Austin like kind of like said some things and Vince was like, just like, okay, wait, well, well that's not what I wanted him to say, but they went with it. Like, that's why, like I said earlier, like a lot of the um, segments and whatnot <laughs> back in the Attitude Era was hard to define, you know, what was supposed to be said and Correct. like was it part of the script and was it not? Like, because, like like you said, like it was like, wait, was like, is this really how you feeling? Or, you know, it was just hard to t- really yeah, tell. It was hard. Like, it was like you watching it, like watching it back. You you could see their facial expressions that, you know, was it a work? Was it not? Like in some people say that there was different lines that were supposed to be said. Bruce Pritchard, I, I listened to a lot of his podcasts to try to get some of this information. Uh, Eric Bischoff, I listened to his. Tony Schiavone, I listened to his. But I was listening to Bruce Pritchard and he was saying that Vince is one of the hardest guys to read because you never know if he's serious or if he's joking. And so that's why it was perfect that he can go out there and you couldn't read him. So you didn't know. Well, then Austin, you know, made a comment about, you know, can I have 10 seconds? And then Vince says, yeah, by all means, go ahead. Austin scratches his head, looks at the crowd, and then and then stuns Vince McMahon. And JR said the greatest line that you could possibly say at that point, at that, at that point Stone Cold will never be employee of the month. And then yeah, they go they go backstage. You see Gerald Briscoe. This is where you really started seeing the Stooges, as they would be later called. Gerald Briscoe's giving Vince a water, and after, uh, 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 oh my God, what were they called? The LOD. They were they had a match. Kevin Kelly comes out and says that Vince was on the phone with the police. The police are coming. He said that he wants Austin arrested throughout the night. They kept replaying the stunner and. It was a pretty good Monday Night Raw, but it got really better because of the whole rivalry you're starting to see. The police show up. They yeah, start looking for code arrested and cussing out Vince. Yeah. This ain't over yet, boy. This ain't over. Yeah. This ain't over. You got uh, Vince. Get out of my arena. Get yeah, exactly. Arena. I was, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Vince had him arrested. And then a little bit later on, towards the end of the, the Monday Night Raw, you know, they kept showing Austin going to jail, supposedly. Well, Austin calls supposedly from from jail. He calls from, you know, he says, I only have one call. And this is what he said. I want you to tell Vince himself. <clears throat> sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze. I want you to tell Vince himself. I think he's one sorry son of a bitch. The last time I checked, when you gave someone in Stone Cold Stunner, it was not punishable by the death penalty. So that means Vince McMahon belongs to Stone Cold. On next week's Raw is War, he's going to find out exactly how pissed off Stone Cold is. And I can guarantee you one thing, it ain't going to be a very fun night for Stone Cold. It won't be won't be something he will want. And Austin 316 means I just whipped your ass and he's going to find out what that means. Because the bottom line is, Stone Cold says so. Rather you like it or not, Vince, I'm going to see you on Monday. Now, Vince comes out with police officers on that following Monday. 
And Stone Cold, you know, comes to the ring wearing a suit. Now, he comes out wearing a suit, and you're wondering, okay, is is he selling out, you know? Is he going to sell out? Well, supposedly Vince got into his ears. You know, we you've seen the segment. You know, I'm sure the segment would actually go on for a little bit, and Austin would make a few comments. He asked one of the police officers if they would take a picture with the belt. Vince says, oh, could I hold the belt with you? And it was kind of a cute moment. And Vince, Vince would they take the picture, and Austin would start ripping off. He said, he said some of the lines of, this is the absolute last time you will ever see me wearing a suit. And all of a sudden, it just, the crowd popped again. And Vince really was trying to sell this whole thing. Like, because we mentioned, you know, the whole segment the week before, he was really trying to sell that, you know, that Austin's, you know, Austin's, you know, the guy. And he's like, oh, he's my guy now. He's my guy. He's trying to sell that, you know. He asked him some of the lines of, where's your Gucci shoes? And Austin said, oh, they were hurting my feet, so I put on my wrestling boots. You know, it's it just like he, he tried to sell it, but we all knew with Austin being oh, yeah. Austin, like we, we all knew, especially that. And then, uh, this is uh, this is what Austin would say is, I was sitting in my jail cell, they won't bring me my bread and water. I'm just sitting there, and I started thinking to myself, Do I have a chance of beating Vince McMahon? If I have a chance of beating Vince McMahon, give me a hell yeah, nobody answered. How? How can I compete with Vince McMahon, someone who was born with a silver spoon in their mouth, an owner of a multi-million dollar company? I said to myself, I think I just got to be like him. So that's when he started. He asked the so, quote unquote, police officer. He take the picture. Police officer took the picture. He said, the old Stone Cold would have told you to take this camera and stick it up your ass. And then he would say, that was the old Stone Cold. The new Stone Cold want you to take this camera, get the film developed because this is the absolute last time you will see Stone Cold wearing this ridiculous suit. And he said, well, son, you, what you see is what you get. Then they start going at it for a little bit. And then he tells Vince to bow down and low blows Vince McMahon. And you hear Vince McMahon go, ah, like, you know, like he just got, I, I mean, he, I think he did get hit in the crotch, but yeah, you start really seeing things next week on raw. Vince McMahon would challenge Austin to a one-on-one match. Austin had to have one hand tied behind his back because he said the, I could beat you one hand tied behind my back. And you know, you know, that was coming. So that's when he started. That goes back to what Nambo said though. Like the storytelling back then was just so great. Like it made yeah. you want to tune in. Yeah. You had to watch like, it. You had to watch it every week. You just, it was like a, it's like a reality show when they went, went where it ends with on the paper. And you're like, yo, what the fuck will happen next week? Yeah. See what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. You had to see it. You just didn't want to miss anything. I I really think that this is where it really changed the tides for especially Austin's career, obviously. I mean, he's the WWF champion at the time. So Vince McMahon and Austin would have a a pretty interesting match. If you actually watch it, Vince does not look like he was ready. He was kind of stiff. He actually didn't look like he was a wrestler at all. But he'd actually get better. He would actually work on that. They actually had a pretty, I would say, terrible match, to say it nicely. I'm not trying to sound bad. But do I love just want to com- say, Vince is the GOAT. He's the only person I know who can beat God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's done and it. If you though. know, you know. Yeah, he's done it with the whole 
Shawn Michaels rivalry that they had. But Vince uh, uh, would actually technically lose by disqualification. Dude Love comes in. That's when he actually saw the Dude Love persona. That's his debut. was April 13th of 1998. Now, this would lead to a match. Dude Love versus Austin at Unforgiven in your house. And Austin would actually hit Vince McMahon with a chair. And it was a very solid chair hit. The rumor is that actually Austin hit Vince McMahon for real and actually gave Vince McMahon a concussion. This is just rumor. That's what Bruce Pritchard said. And I watched it, just that, that match, and I saw him actually get hit in the head. And, yeah, I think he definitely did give him a concussion because it, uh, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad hit. And I give Vince credit, though. He got in there and took a lot of bumps from Superstar. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely he, he definitely – Definitely took some good bumps, especially in this time. Oh, excuse me. But, but uh, they would have a rematch, uh, Dude Love and Austin at Over the Edge in your house. And this is where uh, Austin retains his championship, even though uh, Gerald Briscoe was acting as the he, – they, they, that's when they call him the corporate stooge. He was acting as a referee. Pat Patterson was the uh, was a, the ring announcer um, or the timekeeper, and you know Gerald Briscoe count slow, whatever. You know it was pretty good, solid match. Yep. And this is where McMahon continued to do everything in his power to really try to ruin Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it would lead to King of the Ring. Austin lost the championship to Kane. First time Kane won a championship was a first blood match where Austin actually was hit by The Undertaker, who was still feuding with Kane. Another, you know, you mentioned Undertaker's, you know, chair shots while the referee was incapacitated. Despite Austin having knocking Kane out unconscious, Austin lost the match because he bled first. Now, they need to bring those matches back. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I don't think that will be. Now, Mankind comes back, and Austin Furger further would anger McMahon by winning back the championship the next night on Raw, which, you know, Kane was given the belt for one night. That's kind of kind of sucked. You know, and Austin would also emerge victorious against The Undertaker at SummerSlam in response to McMahon setting up a triple threat match at Breakdown in Your House where... Austin would pin, or the Undertaker and Kane would pin Austin at the same time, thus vacating the WWF champion. And that actually was a pretty good solid match, except for, you know, now there's no WWF champion. And it was like back then, like Austin was the top guy. Yeah. So they didn't want to book him badly, make him look poor. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's have a stupid ending of you guys both pin him. We'll look stupid in the end instead of you guys. We'll just vacate the title. And I was like, yo. What the fuck is going on here? And then like this is where the rivalry really kind of got interesting because Vince McMahon will say, well, since, you know, you lost, you're going to be the referee against Kane and The Undertaker. And Austin would – he would actually get in there. He looked like a referee, had the shirt on, and then he'd count one, two, and then started flipping people off. He started yep. – he, he would not count. So, you know, at that point, that's when McMahon, quote, unquote, fired him. Although, you know, Austin would get revenge. He'd actually kidnap McMahon, bring him into the middle of the ring, hold him at gunpoint, and with a toy gun and his 
He shoots the shot, bang. and it says "Bang 316." And he says some of the lines of, you know, Vince McMahon 316 just said he just wet himself for some of that lines. So it was pretty pretty iconic. Austin is that employee that won't get fired no matter what he do. Yeah. Like at a job, like you, every job got that one employee who can't get fired or won't get fired. I should say, like Austin was that guy. Yeah. Now, this is where The Rock started getting hot. Now, The Rock is starting to become The Rock. You know, he was Rocky Maivia. And now The Rock is starting to become a, a pretty good, you know, top-tier wrestler. I don't like Rocky Maivia. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, Rocky Maivia was pretty good. And I want a, I want a fan of Rocky Maivia. Yeah, I I think that the whole, the whole rivalry between Austin and The Rock was iconic in its own way. But Vince McMahon... Really started to. This is when the corporate ministry is going to start coming into place. Austin tries to save Vince, you know, and whatnot. So we're going to start seeing a little different side of Vince McMahon. He's now not becoming the heel. He's you don't see him as often, and you know, throughout these matches, Austin's having to go through all these challenges and coming through up on top. Usually, you know, Vince really was trying to, you know, I don't want to say he was trying to detour Austin, but it really didn't seem like he was trying as hard as he could because, I mean, think Vince could have been in that ring telling the ref, hey, you know, stop, I'm going to hit this guy. No DQ, no more, you know, like he he's done in the past. Right. And you started to see Vince trying to get out of it. Like you could tell he wanted to start pushing the wrestlers. But the problem was is people wanted to see Austin versus Vince and it really kinda it kinda sucked because the rock is getting hot. You know, Triple H was starting to become something because, you know, Shawn Michaels is no longer in the picture of DX. So like Vince could have went about it a better way than the way he did. Yeah. Yeah, and he like he could have slowly transitioned to out of ring out of ring competitor like most people have done. Yep. So I, I, Vince dropped the ball right there. Yeah, and it, it sucks because Vince really had something great going, and he started trying to bring in other characters. And a guy that I'm going to mention, Paul White, who worked in the WWE for a lot of years, also known as the Big Show, the Giant in WCW, and now he's in AEW. Paul White, yeah, he made his debut, coming through and attacking Austin, so Vince McMahon can escape the ring. I swear, I thought I heard my door open. Uh, you know, and you really started to see Vince trying to get out of the limelight. And it kind of sucked because, like you said, you know, Vince was the guy. Like, he was the guy that really, really people wanted to see. And here, now you're seeing The Rock getting a push, which is nothing against The Rock. The Rock did a great job. You started seeing... You know, Triple H getting that push, as I mentioned. And you started seeing Kane, The Undertaker. There were so many guys that you were seeing getting that push. And it really started to lead to certain things that would happen. One of the final moments that would actually take place was that a fully loaded was the name of the pay-per-view event. And uh, Austin challenged... And defeated The Undertaker to win his fourth WWF champion. The two would come and compete first blood at the match. With the stipulation that Austin, if he would lose, would never compete for the WWF again. For the WWF championship again. 
and if Austin won, Vince would have to depart the company. And this is where Vince decided to step away from his persona, and Austin obviously would win with the interference of two of a a guy that's a two time Hall of Famer now, X Pac, because he's with the DX and also NWO, and thus basically ending the feud. Now, there was a lot of integral parts that could have happened. Now here you're starting to see Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, Linda McMahon. There was so much that they could have done, but for whatever reason, Vince wasn't comfortable with, maybe because he wanted to go a different push, you know, so to speak, and, you know, maybe go with the DX route. Maybe he wanted to go with the, you know, maybe he was going to try to push X-Pac to be, you know, whatever, you know. There were so many different things he he could have done, and he chose not to. Now, hypothetically speaking, you know, was the right decision my personal opinion, no. I think they should have kept pushing it. The whole feud was going. It was still fire. It still is. You know, people still talk about it to this day. They talk about that feud. And, you know, honestly, they could have added so much with Shane because Shane was starting to compete. He was starting to become a wrestler. He could have been involved. You could have had tag teams. You could have had two-on-one matches, which, you know, they would later do. You know, it's like just... WWE and F drops the ball a lot. Like they'd be giving us something good, and then all of a sudden, it just stops. Yeah, like, they just stop. Yeah, or and... something stupid happens, and it's like, yo, what the fuck? Well, and you know, you say that, and next week's podcast, we're going to be talking about the creation of the NWO. So Razor Ramon and uh, who would become Scott Hall and Diesel, who would become Kevin Nash, they were offered guaranteed money contracts in the WCW as Nambo shows off his baby. <laughs> they would be offered guaranteed contracts in WCW and they would go both go to Vince saying, hey, look, we don't want the money necessarily. We just want the guarantee where Vince was like, no, I don't do guarantees. And had he done the guarantee, they could have still kept the Razor Ramon and the Diesel and you know, who knows what would have happened there because Diesel's already a WWF champion for 400 plus days. Razor, yep. Razor was really still hot. He was a pretty good, you know, mid card guy. I actually enjoyed his matches. He had some great, iconic matches, including one of the greatest ladder matches, if not the greatest ladder match in WrestleMania 10 against Shawn Michaels, you know, that is still talked about, you know, to this day, you know, 20 plus yep. years ago, you know, 25 almost now, you know, but. You know, WWF. We'll we'll see it a lot. They dropped the ball, and you know, WCW, WCW picked it up a couple of times, and sometimes they had some pretty bright ideas and some pretty lame ideas. But all around, I you know, this feud scale one to ten, I give it a ten. I love watching Austin and McMahon go at it. I actually want to play one clip for you guys before we leave. Let me pull it up because it was iconic. It goes with the tide. Pull up YouTube. And uh, let's see here. I want to close that. You going to look at it all day, Uno, or what? I like licking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uno out there licking. Okay, how do I share my screen? Where's that at? What's this? Is this one watch together? 
Nope, nope. Yeah. How to share your screen on the computer. Oh, right here. Where it says uh, share your screen. Yeah. That that might be the one. That I'm going to take a guess. Yep, there we go. That's going to be the one. We're going to play a little clippy clip. And this is this is iconic here. Is it's it's your belt. Because I do. The match it was, JR. And we were joined at ringside. And you can see Uh, repeat that. Austin is the only person I know who can rock a vest the way he did. Like the way he oh, rocked yeah. that vest. You should have seen me when I was a kid. I rocked better. Oh, shit. I doubt it. Best believe it, partner. Here we go. <laughs> and here he comes out. The walk. Attitude. Yeah, look at the attitude, man. He had it. He had it. And he's a heel. Like, and look at their reaction. It ain't one person sitting down. It flips off Vince right there. Vince is in the ring and he flipped them off. Look at all the Austin 316. Look at Vince. He's just looking him straight in the face. It's just something about hearing. If that happens, we're going to need to help from the camp. Well, I would like yeah. to get everybody hyped. Yeah. Before we get down to what I hope is going to be the right decision that you make. You're damn right. You better hope it's the right decision, too, or I'll whip your ass. Like, so, you don't get hyped when you hear that. Like, you, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Now, see, now, Austin just broke his, his neck, like, right, a month prior to this. Why so. did you do what you did yep. last night? At bad blood. Why did you interfere in that match? Hey, the fact that he turned his hat backwards was funny and shit ever. Like, he went to, like, he was, like, cool, stone cold. Because I do yeah. what I want, when I want. And if I don't want to answer you no questions, I ain't got to. What I do ain't none of your business. I don't give a rat's ass if you own the WWF or not. Look, he got his hands on his boss and shit. Yeah. Now you know what I would do if I put my hands on my boss? Okay, you want to play hardball? That's fine. <laughs> oh, indeed. Oh, somebody's like kicking trash or something. Okay. I, I assume was... since you don't have any paper with you, I don't see anywhere you didn't bring that certificate from a doctor that says you're capable of wrestling, right? Hell, I ain't been to the doctor, so I ain't got no piece of paper. Jackass. Oh. <laughs> I don't think Austin's going to be. <laughs> All right. I have mine. I have this release form that can reinstate you immediately. <coughs> if you just sign it and state that no one in the WWF is ever responsible for you and your own actions. I'm okay. We want to protect I'm you okay. yourself. But if you want to go back and compete Ooh, and shit. wind up in a wheelchair, <coughs> that's your business. But in order to do that, you got to sign this piece of paper. I don't got corona. I'm not dope. This is so iconic right here. This... I think everybody here wants you to sign this piece of paper and get back in the square circle. Oh, stiff. Oh, stiff. Oh, stiff. Yeah, Donald Trump there. And I don't want to even think about the alternative. You're damn right. You don't want to think about Not that. Donald Trump. You sit here every damn Monday night, every pay-per-view, and you say, Steve Austin, the toughest SOB in the World Wrestling Federation, and that sure uh, is the no. truth. Are we playing Warzone tonight, Nambo? But if I was to come out here and sign your little piece of paper right off the bat, I'd be the dumbest SOB in the WWF, and that ain't true. So what I will do is I'll sign right, your little piece of paper. Warzone tonight? 
I'm sure Nambo will. I'll be asleep. It says you're going to give me Owen Hart's hat <laughs> the next opportunity you can give it in an intercontinental title match because I don't have any. You don't ask me, Nambo? What did y'all say about my mama? <laughs> I thought she was a very beautiful woman. You'll sign this and return to action as long as you get Owen Hart in a match. Now save for the people in the back. You got my word on it. You play with it tonight, Nambo? In an intercontinental title match. I want to beat the living hell Fuck out of Fuck you, Hart. Nambo. But when you drop Steve Austin on his head, when you damn near paralyze Steve Austin, when you take what's taken me eight years to get, I want his ass, but I want my belt back. So if I get yeah, that, I'll sign my life away. <laughs> You've got my word on it. Stun him. You can put your little hand down in your pocket or wipe your ass with it. I legit asked him the same question like six times. You don't think Wait, what happened, Booker? Second, then I'm going to come out here and shake your hand. I'm going to expect tonight. to trust you. Oh, I'm not you sure. show me a piece of paper that says I get the match. You it's show me a piece of paper. You sign that, and I'll sign you. He's eagle to sleep. Before, and that's the bottom right. line. Because Stone Cold said so. Not even right. Not even right. Let me tell you what makes you tough. Tough is waking up on a winning point, having to fight your brother for one day. Brown. Yeah. Godfather. Let me tell you what And when we use the word ad, what the contact did. You suck your business and your nose and nation business. And let me tell you, <laughs> fucked up his promo the there. Use the word ass is that your ass belongs hey, it's crazy. A lot of wrestlers do it. A lot of wrestlers forget their promo. Yeah. Look at it all you can right It'd now. So because the bottom line is, it belongs to Baruch. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> when I get through with my friend that hypes up his best friend, when I get all this BS song between me and Vince McMahon, you damn right, I'll take every one of you sorry pieces of trash on. Bring it on. Every damn one of you. Bring it on. It ain't a race thing. It ain't a color thing. It's a me thinking your ass thing. And can't nobody stop. Well, you bring it on. We'll see about that, boss. I like how he said it ain't a race thing. It, you know, I like how I went straight there. Like nobody even mentioned race at all, and he. Just yeah, I was like, nobody even mentioned race in that promo. He was like, he's it's like not about I'm race. going straight there. Fuck it. I'm going straight there. That was that was pretty classic. You know, that was really what you know kind of changed the tide, so to speak. You know, with the WWE and. Really iconic. Like you won't see that in today's, you know, wrestling. Unfortunately, we won't see that. You know, it, it kind of stinks. Not a hard world is. They don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll never see that. But is there anything else you guys want to add? Uh. Yeah. No, not really. We covered pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh oh, Nambo wants you know, to add something. He's gonna say something stupid. We don't. We, we're not gonna listen to him. Oh, it shit. was a pretty successful, you know, return to the podcast. You know, you know I'm what? Glad we got, I'm glad we're back at it and bringing it back. Listen here, Bogart. Uh oh, he said, "Listen here, more Bogart." Weed being smoked, more jokes being told. Smoke Some weed. Passing that. Maybe let me add something to this. Uh oh, add it. <laughs> I don't want it now. Juice <laughs> <laughs> goods. It's gonna be a lot more jokes, a lot more weed, and yeah. <laughs> A lot great more content. I was gonna ask y'all. I was gonna ask you guys. What's that? What was your like favorite? Like, yeah, I forgot what I was gonna say. What What is your favorite like time of the Attitude Era? Like your favorite, like, like, like for me, them. I'll tell you, like my favorite was basically when when uh, Kane was part of DX, right? 
Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, oh, the... and today, because remember, Kane never talked, but then finally yeah. they got Kane to talk. He said, like, yeah. little thing for his neck. <laughs> and I remember took it from that. Him and then threw it. X Pac took it, threw it, and then he was like, nah, nah. Take the you know, we need this thing. Say it without yeah. it. Suck it. Oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that, that, that shit was funny. I would have I to like, say, oh, my, favorite thing. my favorite moment, and it, it's tough because there were so many great ones, but I honestly, I want to say my favorite moment was when Triple H, right after Shawn Michaels got hurt that, uh, and left WrestleMania and all that, and he said the whole line where Shawn Michaels dropped the ball, and now he's taking it, and this is where Six, X-Pac, 123 Kid comes back and becomes X-Pac. And the New Age Outlaws joined DX. And this is where you really started to see, you know, what King Leno talked about earlier with the DX versus Vince McMahon. And you really started seeing some really cool things happen because DX would go to WCW, invade them and while they're live, and, like, knock on their doors and try to get they them to let them in. And they wouldn't let them in. And they had a tank and everything, man. It was crazy. It's like, you know, you wouldn't see that in today's world. That's when Eric Bischoff messed up. He needed it. He didn't. Yeah. He should have let him in. Should have let him he in. Should have. Never did. Yeah. That was that was a good moment. What that about you, Uno? Oh, you're you muted. I would have to say my favorite like time of the Attitude Era would probably be the Austin Events feud with the beer bath. Yeah. Like that oh, whole about the truck? time frame, the beer bath and the beer truck. Swimming in the beer and shit—that—that that has to be my favorite time. Now, you talk about that. You remember the Kurt Angle when he brought the milk truck? Milk truck. Oh man, classic. That's before. Classic. That's before Kurt Angle went bald. Yeah, Will got his yeah, hair. He cut. still had he had hair there. Yeah, I remember that. He still had his hair. Well, next week we're gonna cover the creation of NWO. It's gonna be just the introduction of. You know, Razor Ramon, Diesel leaving WWF, going to WCW. And we're going to cover a little bit of that, you know, WCW time. You know, because obviously we could talk about NWO and all 937 people that were a part of it, you know. (laughs) NWO merch is actually still in the top five selling T-shirts. I did not know that last year. I know what I'm now, definitely with the Pasma Razor slash Scott. It definitely, the sales definitely went through the roof again. But like you said, 971 members. The NWO was literally like the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, Wu Tang Clan. Like you didn't know who the fuck was in it, who wasn't in. Like, yo, when did you join this shit? Yeah. Like they had Conan, Sting. Um, you know, they had Kevin a fake Nash, Sting Chris too. To right, like it was just so. It's like much. they had they had so many people, and it was like every week it was somebody different. Like literally there for a while, it was every week there's somebody different. All of a sudden, it was like 90 percent of the rocker, locker room was. Was NWO like it's like nah, and that's what really led special to shout that. Out, special shout out to this wrestler. I know he never hear this podcast, or if you do, he a real nigga. Yeah, I'm gonna call him a nigga, even though he white. But shout out to my boy Raven. Raven was underrated. Oh, very. in my opinion, I don't give a fuck what they Raven was definitely underrated. We'll like, have he to was cover like, him. Yeah, like he was like Quote the Raven, Jack Nevermore. Jr. He was the Catches Jack Junior. Yeah. yeah. Like what about Raven? Like give my boy Raven his motherfucking props. And you know what? Like, Jake the Snake Roberts maybe might have had a better DDT, but that the Ravens flow, the DDT, was just poetry in motion, man. He would lay that DDT down on top of a stop sign, 
It was just beautiful, man. Best I saw was his favorite weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, this was, a hell of this was a great return. I'm glad we got the podcast back. I'm glad we got the band back together. Shout out DX. Like, I'm, we, we, we back in business, man. I oh, yeah. Shit. We're back. We're back. And we're going to be back next week. Maybe not the same time. I actually might be able to go live. I'm thinking about we'll, we'll try to go live with it and maybe get some uh, fan I interaction. Like the, I, like, I like the fan interaction, but me being a diehard wrestling addict and wrestling fan, like I love all wrestling, I feel like people's comments is just going to irk my soul. Yeah. I'm going to have to cuss out half of the the, the, I, the I like crowd. this. Like, no offense, you know, to to my like followers. Like when I was when those nerves. Yeah, no offense to my to my followers. I love y'all. We all love you. It's just this was so much better because I didn't have to concentrate on my chat and you know what I'm reading. Like, I actually was able to focus on what I'm reading, all the research I did, and you guys. Right. Like, so what? What I say we do, Starkane, or what you do? Since I'm in Facebook jail. <laughs> like get questions and fan thoughts and shit throughout the week. Yeah. And then we just keep doing like this. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm so that way okay say, with that. Okay, we had a fan ad, blah say blah say blah. And then let's we'll talk about that. So I say through the week when you stream or go to work or whatever, you know, get people thoughts, questions, opinions and stuff, and then we, we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, we gotta be live. Or if you do go live, we just talk about what we already got instead yeah. of adding to it, we just talk about what we already got. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That that'll work because yeah. next week I can ask people like what their thoughts on the NWO becoming the NWO. Like, you know, what what do they think yeah, about like when you go live when you go live like five o'clock in the morning my time, two o'clock yours? Hey, hey guys, you know, for those of you who watch freshman, what was your thoughts on NWO? What was your thoughts on this? What was your thoughts on that? Yeah. And then that'll help us next week episode or so on and so forth. We can talk about shit like that and whatnot. Yeah, because we're gonna cover Obviously, like I said, you know, Razor and and Scott and uh, and Diesel leaving the WWF, going into WCW, and probably right. I would think up until they got to about six six people in the NWO, right before Eric Bischoff or right around the time Eric Bischoff joins. I think that's a perfect timeline because a lot of things happened, a lot of things transpired during that time frame, events that needed to be talked about. The curtain call, as it's now known at Madison Square Garden, is is something that's going to get talked about because that actually was right before King of the Ring and the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin winning the WWF King of the Ring and saying that infamous line of, you know, Austin 316 just said I whipped your ass actually might not have ever happened if the curtain call never happened because the right. four guys broke kayfabe. Shawn Michaels was on top. The only guy that Vince could punish was Triple H. Triple H was supposed to, rumors have it, was supposed to win the WWE. Uh, well, it was supposed to win the WWF King of the Ring 1996. It was supposed to be all Triple H. He was supposed to become this great heel character, and he got kicked down the line because of what happened at you know at Madison Square Garden. So not even his own fault. Ironically, it was Shawn Michaels' idea, and we'll talk about all that next week and. It was crazy right. what I read. Like, bro, switching this podcast, like, well, not even say, I'm not even going to say switching it, but right now focusing on, like, the wrestling, the WWE, I'm going to say wrestling because we talk, you know, all brands. Yeah. So focusing on wrestling right now is, like, I think it's going to be a success. Yeah. Because a lot of people watch wrestling, but, you know, they kind of scared to, like, talk about it, like, oh, people going to say, you still watch wrestling? This and a third. But so I think this, 
will definitely bring a nice viewing, a nice crowd, nice following. Yeah. And it's going to be successful. Yeah. It's going to be one of the most successful parts of the podcast. And honestly, it's something we all three love, like especially this era, the Attitude Era. And that's what I I emphasized hugely when I was doing the intro. I, you know, I made it well known that, you know, this was an era that we all three loved because we, me and you especially, we love wrestling, even, you know, the current, you know, era of wrestling. Neville, love, Neville deep down inside, watches WWE. He yeah. just won't admit it. Yeah, he he might not watch it for the wrestlers. He's all about those girls, man. He He watching it for the girls. We know that. <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. But you know, it's all good. But I got our outro song. When you ready for the outro song, just let me know, Star King. I got the uh, outro song ready to go. Well, I think we're we're ready. I think we're good to go. I don't have anything to add. Thank you guys all so much for listening. And it's been your favorite King Talk with Kings. You know the vibes. <laughs> Oh, thank you.